Hey, turn around real quick and look at all the awesome kids that are here. We never get to come up here and see all those guys there. It's just, it brings a smile to my face every time that, that they're part of this community, that they're worshiping with us. And, um, and yeah, so have a great service, you guys. Good to see you all. Bye, everybody. You know, um, you never know on Super Bowl Sunday, right? So you need to give yourselves a hand, right, for being here on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I, I think it was um, Jack Hayford one time. I, I got to go to a Jack Hayford uh, seminar thing, and he said, on, on Super Bowl Sunday, you need to tell the people that, that there are winners and losers in the Super Bowl, and, and, and some are going are gonna to be very sad at the end of today after the game, right? But he said, in church, in the family of God, we're all winners, right? That was his thing. So, so we're all winning, right? Amen. That was a little jacket. All right, there you go. Um, I, I wanted to, to, just before I get into the message, I really wanted to thank you all. You honored our family so well. We, we were just overwhelmed and still, um, still reading through those wonderful cards of encouragement. If you're visiting with us and wondering what I'm talking about, uh, last Sunday we had a celebration uh, for 20 years of, of being, getting to be your senior pastor. And man, the tacos were awesome. The fellowship was awesome. But reading those cards, you just really spoke to our soul. So thank you all on behalf of Rochelle and my family and I. We're just so grateful to serve such an awesome church. Um, and there are no tacos after today's service if you came. So I don't want you to, to be disappointed. But along those lines, um, I began to think about uh, the, those years and, and realize that, man, it's not just our 20 year, it's Ben's 20 year. He was always with me leading worship here. And, and, um, and so for Ben and Charm and your family, we want to honor you guys and say thank you for, for your years of service. Scott and Linda had an opportunity to get away for the weekend, but um, as Scott said, shared some words, Scott was such a confidant to me, and, and he's been here all these 20 years and more. Millie, you, um, you practically raised me, Millie, you know? Uh, just sitting in your office, the two of us together in, in a time where our, our church uh, didn't have senior leadership, and Millie and I just went for it, right? We, I call it the Wild West days of Zion. We just... Hey, we were preaching, visiting, uh, doing all kinds of stuff, but Millie, I, I just wanted to honor you and thank you for your m- more than 20 years, really. And there, it's always dangerous to do this, but, but um, there are so many to honor, but I, I want to get into the message, but I couldn't help but use this opportunity to honor Maggie Carter, who, who is here today. Now, this is just... This is just a little bit of history, right? So um, Maggie's here, and, and her and her husband, John, have relocated to, um, to Arizona, the new California. No, they don't want it to be the new California. No, but, but they've relocated to Arizona, and um, Maggie was the church administrator for many, many years, and, um, and such a good friend to me and Maggie and John, to Rochelle and I. And it, to say that you, you um, really took care of us would be an understatement. So we're happy to see you, and it's a, a perfect time for, um, for you to be here. So I got to say that and honor you publicly. So Maggie, would you just stand up so we can thoroughly embarrass you? So, yeah. <laughs> And John, we love you too. We love you. <laughs> hey, we're in uh, we're in the book of Exodus, and um, uh, in in chapter eighteen. And if you've been with us in this uh, way forward um, series, 
it's been a, an adventure, at least in my life. And, and the hope is that this way forward that we're finding is, is a way forward into freedom. That the, the captivity of the children of Israel who were held captive in Egypt and, and God in his mercy and according to his promises freed them from that captivity so that they could worship him. And, and so we're learning um, through this series, we're learning about some things what, which I'm seeing as detoxing from captivity, right? And so the children of Israel um, were now free, and their freedom looked, didn't, you know, I don't know what your definition of freedom is, but their freedom maybe to them didn't look so free. So much to the point that they were looking back into Egypt going, man, I love the meat pots that were over there. It was so much better. You know, at least we could, at least we could. And their, their vision was back towards Egypt. When God was teaching them through, um, through some miraculous provision, also through some very difficult obstacles, he was teaching them that freedom looks like trusting in God and that God is trustworthy. Amen? How many of you have, and we've asked this question before, but can say that you have learned significant things through difficulty and hardship? You know, and, and I, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis, and, and, and I've said it here many times, but but he, he says that, that God kind of whispers to us in the joy. Like he whispers to us in the, in the good times. But, but in the difficult times, it's like a megaphone. That pain is, is God's megaphone to, to rouse a deaf and dying world. And so God doesn't um, enjoy the difficult times that we go through, the, the things that we experience, but he will redeem them and use them as opportunities to show his power and his faithfulness. And that's the story of the way forward. Um, for the children of Israel. And today in chapter 18, uh, we meet somebody that, again, that we've already met in chapter 2. His name is Jethro. Everybody say Jethro. Jethro. You always think about Jethro, don't you? No, Jethro is a very interesting person in the Bible, and we want to talk a little bit about him in this kind of pivotal moment for the, the nation of Israel. Um, Jethro is Moses' father-in-law, and he, um, in, in the story that I'll read, comes with some really uh, in, in one version of interpretation, comes with some really good advice. And, uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that in just a moment. But what I thought would be helpful for us this morning is I'd like to read this chapter. Um, it's just 20 or so verses. And I want to read it in its entirety because I think it's important to hear the Word of God. And, and I want to ask you, we're going we're gonna to read it together again. So I'm not going to throw any funny business in as I'm reading it. But, but I, just, I just want you to just listen, right? I just want you to listen. Now, I want to make the qualification. I don't want you to listen like bedtime story listen, you know, because bedtime story listen gets you to like relax and fall asleep. But I want you just to put yourself in the story and, and listen to this in its entirety. And then we're going to go back verse by verse. Fair enough? All right. Everybody good? All right. All right. All right. So Exodus chapter 18, um, this is what it says. And again, it's not going to be on the screen, but it will pop up after when we start to go verse by verse. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that, the God had, all that God had done for Moses and for the, and the people of Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he sent her home along with her two sons. And the name of one was Gershom, for um, he said, and this is the meaning of the name, I have been a so sojourner, sojourner in a foreign land. And the name of the other was Eliezer, for he said, God, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife, um, to Moses in the wilderness where he encamped at the mountain of God. Keep that in the back of your mind somewhere. Verse 6 says, 
And when the word, um, when he sent word to Moses, he said, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. And so Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and he bowed down and kissed him. And they saw each other and the welfare of one another and they went into the tent. Then Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done and and to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel. And in that, how he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of Egypt and out of the hands of Pharaoh and has delivered them from the people under the hands of the Egyptian. And now I I, I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro Father Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought burnt, a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat the bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Hang in there, we're halfway through. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around and, um, from morning until evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, this is um, what... <laughs> Excuse me, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and the other. And I make them, I make, um, them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law said to him, I love this statement, what you are doing is not good. <laughs> Verse 18, you and the people with your, um, will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing that you do is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice and I'll give you advice and God will be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them known the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God and are trustworthy, that hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands and of hundreds and of fifties and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. And so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Verse 23 says, and if you do this, God will direct you, and you will... You will be able to endure all this, and the people will go in their their place in peace. And verse 24 says, So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. And any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. And then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. Amen. That's the story of chapter 18. And chapter 18 falls, uh, of course, after a story from chapter 17, which Pastor Andy did a great job bringing us God's word last week and reminded us about conflict and what we name conflicts. It's either going to be a bitter thing, uh, Meribah, or it's going to be an opportunity for God to, to show up and, and, and to show himself strong, which was Massa, I believe. 
And so the people are coming out of a, a time of, of difficulty, a time of, of, of option and how they're going to see God. And now they're coming into this new season. But there's a geographic shift. There's a different location where they are. And it's important for us to see that. Um, there, Moses is back into familiar territory. In fact, he says he's camping at the, at the base of the mountain of God. Um, and, and he's in a land called Midian, and he has a father-in-law called the priest of Midian. Now, this man, Jethro, I have to be honest with you, I've, I've been very interested in who he is and the good advice that he gives, and I don't quite know exactly what to do with him. Why is that? Because he's called the priest of Midian. Does that concern anybody else? Well, well maybe it will as I tell you a little bit more about Midian. So Midian um, is, is not known as... Um, a God-fearing nation, really. Midian ultimately becomes one of the enemies of Israel. Among their people and among their, their traditions is the, is the worship of Baal, right? And, um, and so Baal worship has all kinds of pagan implications and whatever else. And so now you have this guy who's Jethro, the priest of Midian. And um, the Bible doesn't say for sure a whole lot about him, but it does give some examples of things that he does. And so here's my point. When I was reading this the first time, there are two streams of interpretation for what I'm about to, to read to you, and we've got to pick one, okay? One is that there's this pagan guy who does pagan stuff, and he gives pagan advice to Moses. That is one entirely different stream than there's a godly man who gives godly advice to Moses, and Moses obeys it. And so I had to go, oh, okay, which one is it? And it can't just be like a little bit of both, because that won't work, will it? And um, does this make sense to you? I can't tell for sure if there's a, a pulse beating. Is there, there is a pulse beating? Okay, good. Um, and, and so when, when I was studying this, I, then I started getting really fascinated, and I started taking a deep dive into, um, into Midian and into Jethro to try to understand more. And I found something very fascinating that I want to share with you. Um, first, the origins, and this is just a quick Quick history. Where does Midian come from, this nation of Midian? Um, if you were to look in Genesis 25, you would find that Father Abraham had many sons, right? Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. That joke works every time. <coughs> but Abraham had... <laughs> all, all the VBS or former Sunday school teachers were doing the hand motions as I was saying. It was a beautiful moment from up here. Um, because uh, Abraham was given this promise of God to be the father of, of many nations, he truly was. And when Sarah, his wife, died, he gave birth to a, a six sons by a concubine named Keturah. And one of those six name was Midian. So out of, out of this son was born a nation, right? Now, when you begin to understand that a little bit, you have to ask yourself the question, do you think that Father Abraham was a godly man? Yes, I think he was. Did he, did he have moments? Yes. Was he a perfect man? No. But, but if there were, was one who was imparting the, the seeds of God's goodness and what it meant to follow God, it would have been Abraham, right? And, and so, so now you have a son named Midian who, um, who forms this, this nation out, out of his name. And, um, and, and so I wanted to look at a verse in, in Exodus chapter 2 because now 400 years later, we're going to meet a guy who has two names. And sometimes the Bible can be confusing because people have two names, right? And, and one time they'll be referred as one and another another. And so when we look at Jethro, we're first introduced to Moses' father-in-law by the name of Ruel, right? Ruel. And then, and then a chapter later, we're introduced to him as Jethro. 
Some scholars would say that it meant that Ruel was like the grandfather and Jethro was the father. All this stuff is debatable. That's why we kind of hold it loosely. But when we look at the Bible, we're trying to say, God, what are you trying to say to us? And so we're constructing um, a sermon that would help us to go, is there a takeaway from chapter 18 more than just factoids? Amen? Okay, and so, so now you have first introduced as Ruel, and then secondly, you're introduced to him as um, Jethro. So turn with me in your Bibles just for funsies to Exodus chapter 2 and starting in verse 17. You remember the story. Now we're rewinding. Moses flees Egypt after he had taken the life of, of, of somebody who, uh, one of the, the slave masters who, um, who was mistreating his people and he flees to Midian and Midian is, is kind of, um, I always get in trouble when I say this, but like for, for people, maybe if you lived in like Newport Beach or something, Midian would be like Barstow, you know, like that was like, it, it, it wasn't like a, you, you're like, yeah, sweet, I'm going to go hang out in Midian. It, it, and, and to be a shepherd, to go from Egypt, you know, from like the royalty of the home to be a shepherd was like low, low, low. And so this is where we meet Ruel. It says, um, Moses, it says in verse 17, the shepherds came and, and drove them away. We're speaking of when his, uh, Ruel's daughters were there trying to feed the flocks and Moses drives away the bad people. But Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock and they came home to their father Ruel. And he said to them, um, how is it that you come to my home today? Now, the important thing is that name, right? Because we're looking for clues or we're looking for a, a case that would say that, that this is not a pagan man, but perhaps a godly man. And so the first one comes when we look at what the name Ruel means. And the name, I think we have it on a slide, um, it means friend of God. Friend of God. H have you ever heard that term spoken of, of anybody else before in the Bible? Abraham, right? Abraham was the friend of God, right? And it was said of Abraham that he was a friend of God. And so I began to think, is there a possibility that there's this link between one who is sowing these seeds into, into an, a, 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 you know, a family member on down the line, right? That, that from one generation to the other to the other, especially in a worldview and an environment that was very conflicting towards a, a godly worldview, that that survived, and there's hope in this, and I'm hoping that it, it, it translates to you because we should not give up on sowing the righteous seeds of, of following God and continuing to live that way because there is a harvest that's reaped on down the line. We're talking over 400 years later. Now we meet this guy who is a friend of God. And then secondly, in the next chapter, this is where it got interesting for me is that um, we, we have his name introduced as Jethro. Again, not uncommon for people in the Bible to have two names. What do you think Jethro means? I'm going to tell you. Um, Jethro means excellence and posterity. Isn't that interesting? What, what does posterity mean? You can Google it real fast. <laughs> for future generations. That's interesting, right? You have friend of God, excellence for future generations. I'm thinking that there's something to this. And so we, we read on. Um, I started thinking, now, is this guy a pagan? This is a bad idea. If he's a pagan who gives good advice and we say, well, you know, as long as, as, long as it's good advice, it doesn't matter who you worship. Like, that's a really dangerous thought process. So I started looking at, like, in verse 18, what happens with Jethro and how he responds. Um, we, we read it, but, and we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit more, but 
You remember when he said he had heard of God's reputation, like he had heard of all the things that God had done and he rejoiced? Pagan priests would not do that. Uh, the, the spirituality of the Old Testament was all about turf and whose God was bigger and badder, right? And so if you're a priest of Baal, you're not going to be like, yeah, um, Yahweh's awesome and he truly is the real God. Do you remember Elijah in the, the showdown with the prophets of Baal and, and whose God was better? That's a good example of what Old Testament spirituality was like. And so now we have Jethro who, who, who speaks out the fact that, that God is the one and rejoices over his power and over his ability to free his own people. And then the next thing, and this is where it got really interesting, and again, we'll read this passage in a moment, but is that he declares blessing in the name of the Lord and then offers a burnt sacrifice. That is priestly stuff right there. And, and, then, they, and then Aaron and Moses and the elders have fellowship together. And so I personally, and again, I could be wrong and I hold loosely things that I don't know for sure, but as I read it, I'm leaning more towards the case that this Jethro is a priest, more a priest of the Most High than he is a priest of Baal. And so with that, I begin to look at it through those lenses and go, okay, I, I, I exhale a little bit and I want to listen to what he has to say. And so before we move on, I feel like it's important for us to take some application just from that. And the, the application and the piece of application that came for me was, one, to remember that, that Abraham was a friend of God, Jethro or Ruel was a friend of God, and then very interestingly, it's said of Moses in Exodus chapter 33 that God spoke to Moses like what? Face to face like a friend of God. Did you see a theme that's happening there? And my, my plea to you parents and grandparents and friends and aunts and uncles is be a friend of God. If you're a friend of God, you will produce those that have friendship with God who later will have others who have friendship with God. This is an important part of the passing on of faith. And how many of you know that we can say something and we can know the Bible really well or we can quote scripture, but if we don't have friendship with God, relationship, if we don't trust him, if we haven't had the, the mileage, so to speak, to show the faithfulness of God, all we have is stale words that drop to the ground. But if we recall and recount the faithfulness of God, the stories of God, the friendship that we've had with God. How many of you have checked out the Bridge Stories podcast? Man, it is so good. It's so good because it's story after story of, of real people that are sitting in these pews who are friends of God. And as I, as I listen to that stuff, it's, in, it's strengthening friendship with God for me. And so I want to encourage you, parents, grandparents, friends, everybody, that, that that is the way that we continue to see things move on. And the example is right here before us in Scripture. It's beautiful. And so the theme is posterity. The theme is for future generations. And the theme is friendship with God. Those are two things that, that we want to hold on to when we think about Jethro. And so now we get back into the message and um, uh, verse 18, I've already read it, but let's look at it together. We're going to put it up on the screen in verses 1 through uh, 5. It's like, again, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all these things that God had done for Israel and his people and how the Lord brought them out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, and after he'd sent her home along with her two sons, and again, we have the names for them there. I've already read it. Um, verse 5, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife in the wilderness where he had encamped at the, and everybody say what that says, at the what? What else do you remember in Exodus about the mountain of God or, or right there at the, where we're talking about? Okay, I'm going to tell you. The burning bush. 
the burning bush. Do you remember that it was at the same, in, in fact, it, it says it in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now Moses was, this is a, a rewind, Moses was keeping his flock of his father-in-law Jethro, again his title, priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side, west side of the wilderness, and, and came to Horeb, Horeb, what? Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. So I I had to stay there and camp out because when you're observing scripture, you want to look at things like geography. Geography matters, especially in the Old Testament. And so what would that have been like for, for Moses? He, he went there at one point in his life, and he had already been a shepherd for like 40 years. He, he's there, and, and God shows up and introduces himself by name and gives him pivotal, I mean, pivotal guidance. How many of you could say there's been times where God's given you pivotal guidance, right? Guidance that literally changes the trajectory of your life. That was that moment. And God makes it unmistakably clear. And you remember the story? Man, Moses debates with God and tells him every reason why not. And God patiently goes through the dialogue with him. It was at this spot, or at least in this region. And so now Moses is landing up there again. And the thought that, just as an observation, it just made me wonder, um, what was Moses' relationship like with God in this moment versus the first moment he was camping at the base of the mountain? Totally different, right? This first time he's getting to know God, this next time he's now experienced God for a minute. He's, he's gone through all the plagues in Egypt. He's seen God um, open up the, the Red Sea for his people to pass through and walk through on dry land. He's seen God provide quail and manna and water from rocks. I mean, this is a totally different time. And so now he's right back here in this region again. What's going on in Moses' mind? And what's going on in our minds is we look for markers and significant places in our lives that are points of reference, that are evaluations for us, just going, wow, are we stopping? Are we taking any moment in our life to camp out at the mountain, to just sit at the mountain and just go, wow, God, look what you've done, or even open our hearts to maybe what God wants to speak to us. And, And maybe at that mountain, we're going, man, I'm right back in the same spot I was five years ago, or we're at that mountain just going, I remember being here, I remember what you said, and praise God, here's where I am now. And so this is a point of observation and application. Geography matters, and it's, a, um, it's this place of pivotal guidance. It's a place, of, a point of reference to measure um, what God's doing in our lives. As we read on in, in verse 6, it says, that he, as he sends word to Moses, that he's coming with his wife and two kids that, that they go on. And I, I've already read it, so I don't want to keep reading it over. But in jump down to verse 8, Moses tells his father-in-law all that the Lord had done and how um, to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for the sake, um, for the sake of and all the hardships that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them. You know, it's like he's rehearsing everything that happened. He's retelling it from this, this location where he once met God by name through a burning bush. And again, you know, Jethro says, blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Pharaoh has delivered them from the people under the hand of the Egyptian. Now I know God is greater than all gods. Um, And by the way, some scholars, and I don't know, I'm not a scholar, but some scholars would say this was the moment of maybe Jethro's conversion. Maybe he's declaring that he was once this way. And now he's like, no, I I see that God is the real God and I'm going to make some sacrifices now. Honestly, the I don't know emoji on that one. But I do know, but I do know 
that there is clear evidence of him walking in this godly way. So that's Jethro. Um, that's the, the, the p- place of pivotal guidance, the, the geography. And now this is kind of the final part. And, and this is where we look at his actual advice. And I titled this part um, from 13 on as the problem Moses didn't know he had. How many of you realize that we have problems we don't know we have? <laughs> and, and what's interesting about problems we don't know we have, um, people around us know that we have them. And sometimes they try to hint that to us, right? And it's maybe passively, passive aggressive. Maybe it's like, hey, you ought to try such and such. But, there, but there's a way that Jethro communicates. Jethro is invested. He, this is his son-in-law. And yet what was interesting about Jethro is that he's invested, but he has like this, it seems to be a, a really good kind of boundary where he, he gives advice. And I mean, he's a straight shooter. It's clear advice. It, and and he gives it in a, in a few sentences. He gives what you could do. So he, he basically, uh, he points out, this is your problem. Some of the terminology he uses is, like I already read, is uh, what you're doing is not good, right? How many of you could, could hear that from somebody, right? What you're doing is not good. And as he hears that, he says, here's what you could do to correct it. And then he bails. He's out. He doesn't go, now I'm going to show you how to do it. And in my experience, I did it 15 times this way. And what you could probably expect is five people are going to do this and 10 people are going to do that. But keep this up and check back in with me. It's just like, here's the advice. Here's the input. It's really clear. I trust you. Walk with God in this. And then, boom, he walks away. And I just wonder if there was something practical there on advice giving, right? That, that there's sometimes... Um, uh, was it is in Ecclesiastes that in the, in the multitude of, of words, sin is not lacking, that there's a certain amount of, of words that we, ke- that we continue to go on and it turns into something good can turn into something bad really quick. How many of you ever received advice like that? Where you're like, I think I just got advice and insulted all at the same time. <laughs> so this is part, I think, of some takeaway that we can make from this. And, and again, I mean, there's a whole other angle that you could look at this from a leadership way and see the division of labor and, and how he gives some practical advice. And, and, and certainly there's application to that too. But my focus was, once, was on how do I give advice and how do I receive advice? Um, and so when we read in verse 13, the next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses. Now, can you imagine this? This is, we already know their nature. They're, they're complainers, right? They're grumblers. They're murmurers, right? Again, such a beautiful word that describes what it sounds like when we complain. This is their, their situation. We've, we've also said that they are that for a good reason, for good reason. They're hungry without food. They're, they're going in a, uh, a mobile refu- refugee camp of, of well over a million people. There's a lot of people that are cruising through this. And so they're, they're upset for many reasons, but they're not easy to deal with. And Moses sits um, uh, to judge the people from morning until evening. And Moses' father-in-law saw that he was doing and said to the people, what you are, um, why do you sit alone? Can you pause for a moment and even look in your Bible? And if you want to underline that or maybe jot a note uh, by somewhere is, is that question. Why do you sit alone? And the reason I ask you to do that is because as I was reading it, that highlighted to me. We'll come back around to that. 
He describes what he sees, right, from his perspective. All the people stand around you from morning until evening. And Moses gives the reason why. Because the people come to me to inquire of God. And when they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and the other. Who would like that job? Like, who would sign up for that? You would have to have a burning bush situation to do that, I would think. And I make known to them the statutes of God. And then he makes this famous statement. His father-in-law says to him, what you're doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out. Isn't that interesting? That in this situation, it wasn't just Moses who was going to wear himself out. But the person who was worn out would be wearing the people out too. It was a two-sided deal. And um, the thing that you do is too heavy for you. And you're not able to do it alone. Um, just kind of a, a pause there. You know, we meet with our men's group on Fridays. And, and I was reminding the group this past Friday that the, the beginnings of that prayer group well over 10 years ago, um, we talked about the fact that when we're meeting and we're covenanting, covenanting together in prayer, we're agreeing together in prayer, that what we're doing is we're bringing before God things that we couldn't believe him for on our own. That, that the prayer that we're lifting up, we actually we need a brother to stand with us on. And there are so many things that, um, that are like that in our faith, that we are called to this together thing, right? That, that if we go at it alone, if we don't want to let anybody else in, we're not walking the road to freedom. We're heading back towards that road of captivity. We're wearing ourselves out. And in turn, we're going to wear other people out too because worn out people do what? They wear out people. And, and that's the perspective that Jethro had on his son-in-law, Moses. He goes on and, um, and he says things like, um, these people shall bear the burden with you, right? He, he tells them this advice, obey my voice and I'll give you advice. God be with you. You shall represent my people before God, the people before God, and bring their cases. You shall warn them about the statutes and laws. Do all the stuff you're doing, in other words. And then verse 21, the key part. Look for able men from all the people. And this is their qualifications. They fear God. They're trustworthy and they hate a bribe. Does that sound like a pagan priest that's talking? Uh, And place such men over chiefs of thousands, hundreds, and fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at every time. And then he goes through the the progression. If it's a big deal, let them bring it to you. And they'll bear, and this is a key part that I saw that popped off the page to me again in verse 22 in the, the last sentence. And these guys, they will bear the burden with you. Does that remind you of any other scriptures in the Bible? When you're trying to interpret the Bible, guess what you should use to interpret it with? The Bible right? The, the, the Bible does that. And so I was thinking of, of Galatians. Doesn't Galatians say that we're, we're meant to bear one another's burdens and in so doing fulfill the law of the Lord? Um, I was thinking of Acts chapter 6. Do you remember in Acts chapter 6 when just the spirit is on the move and um, the apostles are getting worn out? And what do they do? The advice is look for men filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And that's where they find Stephen and several others to take on some of the other tasks to share the burdens. This is, this is biblical throughout the New Testament as well. I thought about um, 1 Timothy when it talks about the roles of deacons and elders and the qualifications that they have. And the, those qualifications are hitting at the, the, the motives for why people do what they do. 
Um, and, and so when I read things like guys who aren't going to take a bribe, you know, and, and those who are trustworthy, and ultimately those who fear God, who have a healthy awe and respect, who could sing with hands lifted up, this is holy ground. I'm on holy ground. I know who my God is. So putting all these things together, I really believe that um, Moses was at another place of pivotal guidance. And his pivotal guidance, um, the last time he was in that region, God spoke to him through a burning bush. This time God spoke to him through sound advice. And, and some of us are looking for input and advice. Some of us are looking for godly direction. And God doesn't always do it the same way. How many of you could raise your hand if you followed God before and say, yeah, it's true? Right? That, that sometimes we're looking for, if we've had a mountaintop experience, maybe you've had a dramatic experience with God where you've prophetically heard his voice in, in your mind. You know he spoke. Uh, I mean, we could go all over with examples, but what I'm getting at is maybe like Moses, you had a dramatic experience in a pivotal moment. And you're in another pivotal moment and you're looking to, to hear God's voice. And maybe, just maybe, you're trying to get back to another burning bush. Like, just catch something on fire, and I know it's you, God. When God, like the analogy of the, the flood waters rising and the boat coming by and the helicopter, you know the one, where God is bringing before you his voice, and it's not just from anyone. It's not just from self-help. It's those that you see the evidence of God moving in. It's those who are friends with God. It's those who are excellent. It's those who are walking with him as previous generations have. Speaking of the name Jethro and posterity. And so um, as I wrap these things up, just some application questions for you as you're looking for counsel and receiving counsel and giving it. Um, first off, Jethro has some things to say. So I've, I've heard this before, and, and maybe this is so elementary that it doesn't even need to be said. But if you're on the, the side of giving advice, is don't give it if you don't have anything to say. Truly. I mean, sometimes we, we are in that situation where maybe somebody is looking to us and they're asking us for advice or we feel the obligation to have advice and, and we can get in the trouble of starting to talk and not knowing where we're going to end up. Michael from The Office did that on one episode. And, and um, <laughs> it's, like, it's like you just, you just begin to talk, but you don't know where it's going to end up. That, that just means you don't have anything to say, and that's okay. I have gone to very godly people that I respect deeply and I've said, hey, this is what I'm going to lay out. I'm not sure what to do. And they looked at me and went, man, I don't know either. That's a mess. <laughs> and I'm like, but you're supposed to know, Yoda. And they're like, no, I don't. <laughs> so, but, but what makes them wise is they didn't have anything to say, which obviously puts me back in the place of having to seek God or seek different kind of counsel. And so the point is this, that humility allows for us to, to say, I don't have anything to say when we don't. When we do have something to say, it's reflected in godly wisdom. It's, it's, it should be able to be seen in the type of wisdom that you would find in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It should sound like something God would say or do. Does that make sense? And it's, I have to say, it's as important as a burning bush moment. It's as important as, um, as any pivotal um, input can be to you. When it's from the Lord, whether it comes from him directly or somebody else as being able to be seen as legit through scripture, it's as important. 
Secondly, Jethro, um, the advice giver, first he had something to say. Secondly, he had a perspective, right? He wasn't this close into the situation. He was invested because this was his family, but he wasn't walking with them. He had to get filled into every bit of the situation to know even how to give the advice and see some things firsthand. Perspective is very important. And sometimes you might want to remove yourself from the advice giving if you're too close to the situation. Um, because your advice might be skewed by your own emotions or by what you want to see happen or, or, or turn the tide of a situation towards your own favor or what you think needs to happen. Jethro had enough perspective to just be able to offer concise words in a practical way with practical input of how you do it. Um, he had years of experience. He had appropriate distance, both physically and culturally. And he, um, he wasn't sticking around afterwards. That, that he was going to give the advice and then he was going to leave it between Moses and the Lord and then he was going to walk away. So that's a little bit of um, uh, just some input on how we give it. Uh, this is the, the, the end of it, the application for me. And in fact, I would love it if the worship team could come back up and if we could sing that song, Holy Ground, again, that would be awesome. Do you guys double up? Is that okay? I think you can do the same, same song twice. Um. Jethro's advice made good sense and was practical with how-to instructions, which I've already said. The reason that I asked the worship team to come back up and literally while we were singing the song Holy Ground, uh, I made a note to myself and I thought, man, we need to end with singing that song again. And maybe for us as those that are along the way that are, are, are looking for this way forward, way into more freedom, uh, maybe it would be important for us to to ask ourselves some questions and to not do it from a place of just sitting still or stale, but from a place of acknowledging, I don't want to ask myself some questions. I want to ask questions before God. And I want to leave a little space for God to, to, to quiet my heart, for God to whisper something into my ear, for God to, to give me a, a passage of scripture, bring something into remembrance. I don't want to, to build you up into um, some kind of experience that you have to have. I just want to set the table for you to in, in church, right, as we gather, to get with God on some of these things. Does that make sense? And, and some of the things that, according to what we've studied today, I would, I would place as questions for you, and you might want to jot them down, or if one, if one um, sticks out to you, hang on to it for a minute. As you sit or stand in holy ground, right, that there's, there's I want to be clear about this. This is a building with four walls. There's nothing inherently holy about the building itself. What makes it holy is that this is a place where we invite God's presence and God is inhabited by the praises of his people, right? And so he's, he's here. There's something special. There's holy reasons that we're here. I said it earlier. Hopefully you didn't come for self-help or you didn't come to like, you know, check the box that I went to church this week and get the smiley face because if you don't come next week, you get the sad face, you know? This, this isn't why we meet. We meet to get into the presence of God together as a community. And so there's something holy about this, but what's holy is inviting the presence of God. Does that make sense? So as you do that, we're asking the Lord this. Am I sitting alone? Do you remember what, what, what Jethro says to Moses? Why do you sit alone? And, and if we were to answer that question a little bit, the reason that I think sometimes we sit alone is because of pride, right? Pride helps us to think that we're the only one that can do any particular job or do it right. The other side of that, pride has two ugly ends to it. One is that it's overt and it's big and it's loud. 
The other side is it's, it's kind of falsely humble. And the other reason that we often sit alone is because of insecurity, right? We don't want anyone else to see the mess that we're sitting in, and so we don't want to bring anybody else. So we have to construct certain walls around us. Does that make sense? So why do I sit alone? Identifying is, does God want to say anything to me about that? Does that sitting alone mean something to you in your context, whether it's ministry, work, family, whatever it is? is. And it, have I fallen prey to the trap of pride and insecurity? Second question or statement that could lead to a question is, what I'm doing is not good. <laughs> Are there areas in my life that God would like to highlight a problem that I didn't realize I had? God is so good and so loving. We sing about his love. He doesn't say things to be mean to us or make our life difficult. He's a father who has ultimate eternal perspective that might want to point some things out and saying, hey, son, daughter, what you're doing over there is not good. You have a problem that you don't even know that you have. And so as we're looking to, to be on holy ground, we want to camp out for a minute and look for this friendship with God that is woven through this chapter Look for this friendship with God, listening to his voice, and even receiving whatever he wants to give us today. Would you stand with me as they lead us? And as we sing this song, you can stay where you're at in your seat. You're welcome to come to the, the front here, which is often what we refer to as an altar place, like a, a place of significance where, at least for me, sometimes it... it it takes me like responding. God, I want to hear you. I want to listen to what you have to say. And, and sometimes I have to make a, like a physical effort towards that. And there's something special and design, like designated for this is my place where I want to hear you. And so it doesn't mean you have to, but if you want to, this is open to you. If you want to stay where you're at, stay where you're at. But the questions as we are on holy ground, why do I sit alone? And is there anything that I'm doing that's not good?
for anyone who would like to come just to stand in the, the presence of God in the way of like camping out at the foot of the mountain just to be with him I want to pray blessing Lord we thank you for those places those locations God those moments and opportunities that you, you give us to gain a fresh perspective to see growth or areas of needed growth. We thank you for your kindness, Lord, that you meet us and you, you show us things that we're doing that aren't good, things that are wearing ourselves out and wearing others out. And God, you are practical as you use your servant to give a, a practical word of advice. We're, we're open to that, Lord. We, we long to hear it in our lives. Lord, here in this place, we camp out with you, Lord. And throughout the week, we long to camp out with you. We long to nurture our friendship with you, to remember where we've come from, that we're not a church existing in a vacuum of time, but your truth has been faithfully spread from generation to generation. And we're so grateful. Show us those things that you long to show us in our lives. Here we are. Thank you, God. Just going to give us another moment, just as they play, just music. Just a space to listen. Just listen to the Lord, just for a moment. Let let His words just soak in. pray for your grace now as we're holding some things. Lord, whatever you're bringing to mind, pray for your grace to walk us through these things throughout the week. And Lord, I want to pray that because of Jesus, just an outpouring of your love and and, and Lord, your, your hope and your joy that 
the longing that we have to know you more, the longing that we have to, to not get into cycles, getting worn out and wearing other people's out, or, or, or cycles, Lord, of just doing things that we know aren't, aren't good. We thank you that we have hope, that when we confess to you our sin, that you're faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us of all unrighteousness, that, that every Sunday for us is Easter Sunday because you have risen and you're victorious. So what a privilege, God, to view the Old Testament through the lenses of the New Testament. Thank you for leading us today, Lord. And we pray your blessing over each one. We pray you'd strengthen them. God, we pray hope to rise in each family. We pray for joy. Lord, even today as we have some fun after this and watch games and eat food and whatever it is that each one does, I pray, Lord, just the, the kind of the, I don't know, the fragrance of the sweetness of your holiness and the fragrance of fellowship and the goodness of Jesus just to be around your people throughout the rest of this day. Bless them. Keep them, God. Make your, your face shine about them. Be gracious to them and give him peace. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you.